We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me wanna. We had to do a new search for a naming, uh, naming rights for the stadium. And this was really uh, something really special that we wanted to make sure that we found a partner, not just that could put a name on a building, uh, but also could be really someone we felt was a partner in our values and our commitment to this community. And we found those qualities in Dave Anderson and his leadership team at Blue Cross Blue Shield. As you guys know, they've been a longtime sponsor of the Sabres. So we knew um, we had a relationship already with them. We knew the capabilities that they have. And when they kind of merged together with, um, with Highmark, we were just, you know, we just knew that this was a great fit, someone that we could truly call our partners. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was Kim Pagula from her presser over at WGRZ Buffalo, talking to WGR, which one of the two, Chris, step in here, Well, in if you know the answer. Yeah, well, you sound like shit, <laughs> and it's not because why we're, we're remote right now, it's because you literally have a headset that you probably kept from when you worked at Mighty Taco. I'll have you know this is from my illustrious days as a video gamer. And when I say illustrious days, I mean like the early 2010, 2011, when I used to just get drunk in my apartment alone, play Call of Duty, and badger 15-year-olds. That's right. <laughs> I was a winner, folks. Yeah, this uh, the headset. We are remote podcasting. In fact, I was thinking about it, Chris. This is just the second remote recording we've done in our five almost six years of doing a podcast i mean that's kind of impressive isn't it yeah the last time uh, this happened was i think december 2016 i went to uh cincinnati kentucky and paid a visit to uh, mazak when i was a machinist i had to take some training classes and work was like here's some prices on flights now nope, you're gonna rent give me a car 
and I'm going to drive down to Cincinnati and bring everything so that we can do this podcast, or at least I could, in my hotel room at a, I think you said at a Microtel. <laughs> you taking a computer to a Microtel, I can't imagine the looks you got. You're walking in with a PC and microphones and people are like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> oh, I think I, I had it in a bag and I was like, I wouldn't carry it in piece by piece. <laughs> It almost would have been funnier that way. No, folks, we are quarantine podcasting. That's right. Your old boy, Drew Gear. It's been 382 days. I mean, that's how long it's been since the COVID pandemic. Ironically enough, on the weekend of my then pregnant wife's birthday, you know, March 14th, that was when all hell broke loose. I mean, I remember we were going to, we were doing a get together. I mean, there was rumors of the COVID thing going around and I remember that Friday going to the grocery store and thinking to myself, I'll pick up some stuff to make a dip. We can't go out because they canceled the parade, but at least we'll be able to get together with some friends and it'll be fine. A low key thing. Everything will be fine. And I walked into Wegmans at five o'clock on a Friday to pick up just a few odds and ends. And it was bedlam. It was anarchy. And that's when I realized, like, this isn't going to be okay. This is a this is a problem. This isn't something that's just going to blow over like the movie Shaun of the Dead. I somehow managed to go an entire 382 days and navigate all of that. But a year later, here I am. I got got. I'm COVID positive. Uh, and don't cry for me, okay? I mean, as far as COVID cases go... There are people who have had far tougher goes of it than I have. I mean, I, I keep trying to remind my wife, only the good die young, and I don't <laughs> qualify for that. So I'm still here. I'm still kicking. I mean, Chris, this is pretty wild, I got to say. Yeah, what I tell you. The <laughs> Do way- I sound as bad as I feel? Uh, no, you sound bad because of the headset that you're on. But what I tell you the other day, I said, okay. you, you're, you don't have – COVID as bad as everybody else because your teeth are helping fight COVID. He literally, folks, this is how I know Chris is a good friend of mine. I texted him to tell him of my positive diagnosis, and he, you know, I told him, I go, oh, but you know, it's good because my wife, she's negative, my kid, he's negative. And he goes, yeah, that's because he was essentially one of the world's most communicable diseases is also afraid of, is so afraid of your teeth, it doesn't want to leave your body. Your teeth are fighting COVID. That's the mark of a friend, right? There's there's a lot of different friends in the world. There's the people who will reach out to you and ask you if you're doing okay. There's the people who will ask you if you need something. They'll offer to run errands for you. Then there's the people who, when you tell them something's wrong, they'll badger you, right? They'll talk trash. They'll make fun of you because they know that that's what it takes to keep your spirits up because that's who you are as a person. Those are the people I'm proud to call friends. So, Chris, for all of you guys who have been texting me pictures of El Chapo from Narcos just alone on swings or standing alone by himself in an an empty swimming pool, thank you. I appreciate that. It it actually does help. As far as how I feel, I mean, I I have pretty mild symptoms. I mean, only fleeting difficulty breathing, which I usually just do some push-ups or I walk around in place for a few minutes and it goes away. Um, dry cough, mild congestion. I'm sure you can hear a little bit of that. The mental fogginess is real. That's one thing. I mean, maybe Cam Newton wasn't exaggerating the fact that you really do feel foggy. Although, who are we kidding? That guy sucked for 15 weeks after the fact. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I could go outside right now, throw a football 10 yards without skipping it like a rock. I'm just saying. Putting this show together was difficult. And right now I'm living in the spare bedroom of our house like an inmate. I mean, it's <laughs> Chris, as you can see, I'm, I'm showing Chris right now my illustrious surroundings. Well, you got, that, mean, pic- you got that picture over there. <laughs> I got all kinds of stuff back here. It's It's great. I mean, the most important thing to come out of this is that my wife and my kid are both currently negative, and that makes whatever mind-numbing existence I have to live out here for the next week in this back room by myself worth it. I mean, Chris, I'm a control freak. You better than probably most people can vouch for that, right? Yeah. As a producer who should generally be in control of most things related to the podcast, I'm not. (laughs) Just, how about how about when it comes to tailgating? How about how about how about when it comes tail, to packing yes. up folding tables? Yes, tailgating. Although putting the truck together to go to the stadium, you're quite militant in that way. But taking everything down, putting it in the back of the truck, going to the stadium, you're not even around for that. You're too <laughs> you're too busy socializing, and I'm trying well, Chris, to yell at everyone. To but it, bring me things so that I can pack the truck and then Irish goodbye everyone. Now, Chris, tell me, though, how many times I, it would take you more than both hands to count the number of times I've criticized the way you've packed up the tailgate. Literally doing nothing, standing there with a beer in my hand, not helping, just criticizing it. Yeah, you do that a lot. A lot. So you can imagine how it feels being shut in this back room. And I have to look like knowing that I I have this need to control things. I have to listen to my wife struggling, trying to take care of our son and essentially run this household without my help. I mean, I'm, I'll tell you this. Physically, this isn't the worst thing. But mentally, this has been one of the most frustrating things I've experienced in a long time. Yeah. Just feeling it's, it's a real helpless feeling. It really is. Yeah. You're not too keen on. uh Leaving Polish people in charge. <laughs> leaving anybody in charge. And I mean, I snapped at my wife earlier. She was just trying to help. I mean, it's it's really, I mean, the, the mental health aspect, I think, of this quarantine is, and the isolation is probably the hardest part. <sighs> I mean, my wife, she really is a soldier. And this whole thing, just a few days into it, has really given me a deeper appreciation for both of them, my wife and my kid. I mean, the fact that she's just such a, just a soldier. And... How much picking up my kid and just squeezing him when he laughs, just like what that does for me as a person, <sighs> I miss it. I, I, I already miss it, and I'm only, what, just coming up on 72 hours into this nonsense. And I'll tell you this. I'll be out of here soon, folks. And I'm not about to cry myself a river over all of it. Just do me a favor. Hug your wife. Hug, hug your kids. Who, hug whoever you got. You got a dog? Give them a hug. Okay, enjoy the fact that you can be around them. Do it for me. All right, Chris, um, I'd say hug your girlfriend, but she doesn't deserve that. Not with that haircut. You should stay far, far away. She loves this hair. Oh, my God. (sighs) Folks, I know that during free agency, the state of the roster and draft talk has essentially dominated the headlines. But there have been plenty of things going on with our Buffalo Bills that haven't gotten the same amount of run. And because... (laughs) Because we're thorough sons of bitches and I'm incredibly bored. We're here to break them all down for you in this week's Bills News Update. 
we bring to you the best of the non-free agency headlines from the last month. I think the first one, probably the most exciting for fans, is that uh, the Bills kicked off the month of March with an announcement that after a successful experiment in having limited capacity seating in the 2020 playoffs, the Bills are planning to have full attendance for the 2021 NFL season. Chris, do you have a beer? I don't. I left a piece of ice out, but then we started and I forgot to make a beverage. You mean to tell me that I have a drink and you don't? Yeah. Well, you... Sorry. I mean, I can go into the kitchen and make one. Go make yourself a drink and come back. The reality, folks, while Chris goes <laughs> to fetch himself a drink, the reality is that, well, the team, I mean, they, they've stated that their their goal is 100% capacity in 2021. And the odds are that they may fall somewhat short of that mark, given the kind of draconian measures New York has in place over, over the last calendar year when it comes to COVID policy. But based on conversations I've had with people who have maybe what I'd call inside information, it would take a monumental derailment of New York State's COVID rates, progress, and their vaccination schedules to keep some quantity of fans from being there on a week-to-week basis. Now, that's incredibly encouraging. I mean, that's the best news I've heard in a while. I mean, I can't tell you guys how much I've missed tailgating. I mean, it really is like a church for me. I mean, our lot, the mud lot, I mean, (laughs) they don't do table jumping, okay? It's a massive lot right next to the stadium, and he's the the owner of the mud lots, the one who sold his property to the team so that they can build their outdoor practice facility. That's how close you are. It's convenient. It's, it's It's set up for you to throw some really intense parties out there, but it's also a guy's home, right? He's got a family to look out for. So in that way, anything that's too outrageous that could be a danger to both the people doing it and his ability to keep parking cars there. I mean, the thing that's paid off his house and helped put his kids through school. Yeah, that's the fly. I mean, Tyrone, table jump away if you want to. I'm actually, I'm pretty okay with the fact that the our lot doesn't participate in that kind of behavior. I mean, I really am. I mean, there's plenty of places you can go if you want to see it. I've seen it once. Oh, yeah, and then did, did, you saw it once, and didn't the kid, he lay there and nobody came to help him, because we were just like, we told you not to do that. <laughs> he No, no, he was, I, I vaguely remember, I remember him being so drunk, he was standing on the tailgate, and he didn't really jump off the truck onto the table, it was more of like, he just passed out, fell over, and missed the table. And no one cared. Correct. And that's And that's exactly how it should be. But Chris... Now that you've gotten a couple years to experience it, it's pretty great. I mean, we get there before dark and the skyline's all lit up by the stadium. It's just, it's quiet. It's kind of peaceful out there. I mean, for me personally, it just gives me this time to reflect on how lucky I am to have the opportunities that I get. To have the ability to go there and watch my football team play. Knowing that I'm going to have a day and there's going to be people, friends, family. I mean, I missed that. I mean, my wife... This past year, knowing how much I missed that with with no attendance, made a collage out of all those. You know, we usually take a picture. We'll snap a picture of the stadium all lit up, and we'll tweet it out at about six forty five in the morning. My wife went and found all these photos and got some really high quality ones done up, made a collage out of them, and framed it for me last year because she knew how much I missed that. I mean, the lady's the absolute best, but I mean. The, 
it just does something on a personal level for me. It's really gratifying. I mean, Chris, what's your experience been missing that after being two years season ticket holder? I miss, uh, at least because of the podcast, I miss people just showing up at her tailgate. Like, some people will tell us, like, hey, I'm coming this weekend. I'm going to stop by your tailgate. And then others just, like, randomly show up. <laughs> Those are some of my favorites, like uh, Joel Desjardins and uh, Andy Parks, who just popped in randomly on their way to the stadium. I mean, uh, Scott Fellman from Canada, I still have the empty bottle of hot sauce that he brought because he wasn't sure what he'd be able to get across the board. <laughs> He's like, I would have brought booze, but I don't know the legalities on that, which I think is well played. I mean, there's been that's the thing. Our listeners that that is a place of interaction because that's where people get to see us. I think it's one of those things, Chris, where it really separates itself that who we are here as we sit here and talk about football and podcast. We are actually those people in real life. And I think that jumps out to people the second they meet us. And usually that happens at tailgating. I mean, Lackawanna Vince and Pat Cleary. Each of them showed up with their diehard buddies, came to have a good time, and all, everybody seems like they found it. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they came with crews of guys that they were there to party with, but made time to come seek us out. I mean, Kevin Harrington brought his entire family to come grab beers and food with us. I remember him telling me that him and his sons listened to the show and then would, like, have conversations about it amongst themselves, which is, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's, you know, that's they, amazing. They take time out of their week as a family to talk about that kind of stuff. I still I think a couple of the best Hugo from Portugal and uh, Rowan and Mike from Australia, who pretty much all ended up back at my house after those games. <laughs> Chris, you've been there for my wife when she's like, let me get this straight. Some guys you met on the Internet are coming over. to our house. Yeah, that's how it happened with uh, Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills. And I keep telling her, I'm like, honey, I'm a pretty good judge of character. And also, I mean, if they're willing to follow someone like me, they can't be dangerous, right? They're going to be like, look at this idiot with his terrible teeth. He seems like he makes poor decisions. Hey, he seems like someone who's fun to hang out with. I'll go. Hang, I'll, I'll go. Well, why not go back to his place for a couple beers? I mean, you're only in Buffalo once in a blue moon. Why spend part of that trip sitting in a bar full of strangers? Just, uh, I don't know. But I've had a blast. And just that game day atmosphere. I'll say this, Chris. <laughs> I got real comfortable watching an entire season at home. <sighs> what were some of the perks from your perspective of watching at home instead of being at the stadium? Watching at home, uh, probably uh, most of the time. A lot of the times I was able to make a dip every week because usually away games, I don't make dips. Those are only reserved for home games. Um I don't know. It's just a smaller party atmosphere of being able to watch at home. And by home, we mean your house. Yeah. I mean, it was great. There's no lines to pee. You have complete control over the food and drink selection, which definitely makes it cost effective. Nobody's cutting you off from booze after halftime. Although (laughs) that's not always for the best. And there's no security to throw people out for being belligerent. You know, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking to myself, Chris, you guys, you, my wife, the other people who make their way over here to watch games with us, you just probably wish you had a little bit of that at your disposal, don't you? <laughs> yeah, like one of those cards that you got from two seasons ago. <laughs> there was somebody, there was a sheriff you could employ to come in here and card me when I'm being a little over the top. Yes. So, 
obviously this is a great thing for us to get back to just enjoying our season tickets. It's a good thing for Bills fans everywhere who miss attending live sports. I mean, there's nothing that can really replace the feeling of being at the stadium. It's going to be interesting to see how they navigate some of these stumbling blocks to attendance because they still exist. Okay, First, you're going to need proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. I mean, that's almost a given that that's going to be required. And it's interesting that from the sounds of it, the team isn't going to be supplying the tests anymore. Those are going to have to be obtained privately. Now, I'll say this. Right now, as someone who got tested and tested positive, it was pretty easy to obtain mine. Right. You make a phone call or do you go through well now and you go right on their app and you can sign up. They have different time slots. You can do the drive through option. You can come into the office. There's a whole slew of things at your disposal to get one. And it's they do them on a relatively short timetable. So that because, uh, Chris, do you remember what a disaster that turned into? I, I mean, I don't want to call it a disaster, but it was a hassle for everybody who wanted to go to the playoffs who had to find a way to Buffalo to get their COVID test done by Bill's team-sponsored vendors of the COVID test. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge hassle. Yeah, you have, uh, was it, um, Hannibal Lecter, doesn't he, like, live in Elmira or somewhere out I near I think he Horsehead? lives out there, Corning. Yeah, somewhere out there. So he's got to drive, you know, the hour and a half to Buffalo just to take a test and then drive home, and then drive back for the playoff games. Oh, for sure. And then, I mean, we, we have a friend, Ryan Lasel, you know, Ryan Lasel from Rock Sports Network, a friend of mine. He was talking about how he had somebody already set to take, he bought his pair of tickets for the Ravens game. He had it lined up, and then his cousin tested positive for COVID. And he was like, well, sh- shit, what do I do? And the team said, well, you can transfer it to somebody but they have to be able to get here to the stadium and get their test within this 48-hour window before kickoff. And then you have to hope the results come back fast enough. (laughs) It's like you couldn't do that for 17 weeks a year. Right, Chris? There's there's no real way. No. I don't think. I mean, that's... So the fact that they're opening that up to just general COVID testing is actually kind of nice. You know, they say 100% capacity. Well, what is that? Because social distancing is absolutely going to have to play a role still. Correct? I mean, Chris, there's bars and restaurants that can't be open past 10 o'clock still. That has nothing to do with COVID. It literally has to do with just keeping people from congregating in large groups for too long of a period of time. So there's no way they're not going to try to socially distance people in the stands, right? Yeah, but if they say it's you know they want a hundred percent attendance, to me that means a full stadium, all seventy thousand. See, what I'm afraid of is they're going to pull some shenanigans like the Jaguars did. Remember when the Jaguars couldn't sell out any of their home games back before the blackout restrictions got lifted? Yeah, so they so put they, a pool in the upper deck. They put a pool in the upper deck and they tarped off giant sections of the stadium and with like decorative tarps. And just called it, oh, it's, it's, it's there for decorations. Those seats don't exist anymore. It's just so they can call something a sellout. Well, if 100% sees them reduce the capacity of the stadium by 20% just so they can put in some decorative things to enforce social distancing, I, I don't know. I saw that idea floated, and I think it's a I, – I don't know how I'd feel about that. I mean, I'm obviously not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, but – I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts to this that I think are really I mean, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few months how it all plays out. I mean, what? Uh, 
they still don't even know if they can have in-person training camp. So we're getting a bit of ahead of ourselves. But ultimately, the team's goal is to get everybody back in the stadium. And I think that that in and of itself is a headline we're celebrating. Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I have the bootlegger New York bourbon whiskey, uh, some orange bitters, and simple syrup. Got a 12 Gates playoff beer, double IPA. Cheers, Chris. Cheers. Virtual cheers. Virtual cheers. Then there's the ticket price increase, which is, and I'm going to explain, is still a W for Bills fans. Along with that announcement came word that the Bills ticket prices would be increasing for the 2021 season. I got to hand it to them. The Bills really, really timed that perfectly. The window for legal free, uh, legal free agency tampering began, and fans are absolutely not paying attention to the, what's going on with ticket prices. Or if they do notice, they're not really taking the time to dive into an announcement like that. I mean, they made the announcement that ticket prices were increasing on the 8th, and then just three days later hit us with the Milano extension, the Williams extension, those are some things that would make Bills fans, forget, anybody who had noticed the ticket increase, forget about it pretty quickly. Hey, Brandon! How dumb do you think I am? <laughs> it's straight up gangster. That is pretty slick, isn't it, Chris? Oh, yeah, it is. You just <clears throat> want to we'll announce these things and we'll, that'll overtake what I'm doing over here. Hey, we're, we're, we're charging you more money, but also Mamelano. That's right. Nobody remembers. I mean, I, for one, am kind of glad that I didn't have to listen to too much angst from the rest of the fan base over the increase. This seems like a perfect time to do it, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, what, what's our increase? Isn't it like 50 bucks? Um, our increase. So the bill that I have to, in fact, I'll log in right now. The bill I thought, that I have to pay. I thought that you had texted us, like me, you... She texted me and uh, Potter, the other guy that we have seasons with, and I think you said that it went up another $50, to which um, which for me uh, is, oh, well, then I'm out. If I got to pay another 50 bucks, that seems, 50 bucks is nothing. Yeah, like, well, that's, that, that's it. No, it, so it was an extra, so between four seats, so there's a remaining balance of $280. So if you break that up across four seats, Chris, uh, my head's all fuzzy. Well, what's the, what's the math on that? Give me the numbers again. Two hundred and eighty dollars is the total due divided by four. Seventy dollars. So it's seventy dollars per seat per year that our tickets increased, and in total, it now shows that there is an amount of two thousand dollars flat, which means our season tickets are five hundred dollars a piece. Now. I will say I do remember a day, Chris, when they were like 250. Okay, I do remember those days. In fact, Potter texted me and was like, "Hey, do you remember when we first got in and our tickets were 230 bucks? You're going back to 2010, 2011, and it just made me sad. It really did. It just hurt me. That's a that's what a 100 percent increase in ticket price over the course of a decade, but it's a decade." Right. And so ultimately, when you look at this, right, uh, you got to look at some of the factors. Loss of revenue due to COVID is something pretty much everybody in the country is familiar with at this point. 
no one is shocked by rising prices. And the team has a look of a successful one for the first time in my adult life. (laughs) Definitely since the first time I've had season tickets. And a potentially franchise quarterback at the helm of what was one of the most exciting offensive attacks in football. That's something that puts asses in seats. And they're not dumb. They know that. Ultimately, I think we're pretty fortunate when you look at the numbers. First, there's just the metrics around the increase itself. The The total average okay, of the increase brings our tickets to $101 a seat on average, which is $3 less than last year's NFL average in 2019. So that's pre-COVID, that's pre-teams trying to recoup lost revenue. Increase of average non-club seat bumps the cost up. For, so to anybody who's not like Mark Smith and feels like they're ritzy and has to sit in the fancy seats, uh, your cost goes up to about, on average, eighty-two fourteen a game, a jump of $7.68. Now, Chris, I have a rule of thumb. If the cost of something is approximately what you pay for a single drink out at a bar, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time haggling or debating over it. Are you? No, no. <laughs> no, it's it's like when I go to Wagner because like I'm not one of those people that have a, like a you know all the uh, the bags that I take to the grocery store you know and when I go shopping at, at Wegmans and I bring and I get to the register and they're like would you like a bag uh, you know what just I'm gonna leave this here I can't afford five cents for a bag I'm sorry I got I gotta leave I can't afford bags it's you know it's funny as you're saying that. I have sometimes just just on principle, like if I have a bag in my truck and I refuse to bring it in on principle, I won't buy a bag. But that's more as like a punishment to myself to remember to bring the bag next time, because now I have to walk out of the store like an idiot with my arms and people staring at me as I'm trying to fish my keys out of my pockets. Like, what? what is this guy's problem? Why didn't he just buy a bag? Because I don't deserve a bag. That's why. Uh, the Bills were the 30th ranked team okay, in average cost of attendance after 2019. And this increase still puts them well below the New Englands and the Chicago Bears of the world. And I want you to take a, take a second and think about what that means in terms of the quality of the experience, because I did not misspeak there. Heading into 2020, the Chicago Bears were the second most expensive NFL stadium to watch in the NFL. That number blew my mind. So I dug into the numbers a little bit to see exactly how the hell they ended up there. And I found some really interesting trends as it relates to the NFL's ticket pricing landscape, which leads me to tonight's chart, Chris. Yeah, what, just because I have COVID doesn't mean I can't make a chart? (laughs) Yeah, this is a hell of a chart. Why don't you describe to the listeners what you're looking at? This is a chart of the from 2017, 2018, 2019, every team's average ticket cost and then the percent change between 18 and 19 and then the percentage change from 2017 to 2019 that's right and when i pour over this data for any of you who want to see it email us rockpowerreport 716 at gmail.com let me know i'd be more than happy to share it with you when i look at this okay you look at what in 2019 who the like the most expensive teams okay the new england patriots had the highest cost average cost of attendance at $501 now chris do you remember the season uh, patriots guy yeah. who who would tailgate a lot with us and he he was a patriots fan 
who would drive. He, he told us he was a Bills season ticket holder because he found out that it was cheaper for him to have Bills season tickets to drive six hours from the border of Massachusetts to Buffalo and then back again after the game with his kid, essentially him and his two kids. It was cheaper for him to have the seats here, four of them, and bring them for the day, take them home, tailgate, and then sell the remainder. He said the remaining C, uh, get non-division games, I guess. He went to all of the AFC East games. He sold the rest, and he would break even. He said, by comparison, the same amount of money he paid for his seasons would get him one game with him, his two kids, and his wife in Foxborough. How crazy is that? That's insane. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about here, folks. The, the Patriots are number one, but the Chicago Bears, okay, <laughs> before I get to that, the Bills are currently 14th in, in percentage increase among all NFL teams since McDermott and Bean were hired, despite being fourth entering 2019. So <sighs> when you think about this, our percentage increase is only 22.9%. Over from 2017 to 2019. That is one of the smaller margins in the entire NFL. But you look at how dramatically our fortunes have changed as a team. Then you take a look at this. Since 2017, no team in the NFL has seen a bigger year over year hike in ticket prices than the Cleveland Browns. They went up 137% from 18 to 19. And right now, from 17 to 19, it's up 206% in total. Chris, are the Cleveland Browns better than the Buffalo Bills? No. <laughs> is, is Baker Mayfield that big of a draw? No. Okay. They didn't build a new stadium. That's absurd. The only team in the NFL who came close to matching this huge three-year rate hike, literally their average season ticket price in 2017 was $62. And in 2019, it was 190 only one team could match that jump or even come close to it. And they really weren't all that close. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs, who were still 70% lower in terms of the increase. And you know, the Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback having Kansas City Chiefs. If you were a Browns fan, Chris, would you be insulted by that size of an increase without any notable... I don't know, improvement in the talent on the field or like, hey, we didn't even go to a Super Bowl yet. What are you doing to me here? No, what if it's like, uh, what was it, 06 when they went 11 and 5 with Derek Anderson and Braylon Edwards and Kellen Winslow Jr.? That one season they went like 10 and 6, and then the next year they went right back to being the Browns and then had been the Browns the right, like, till now? Well, I'll tell you, here's what's hilarious. There was three teams that actually fit that exact narrative. Teams that actually declined in ticket price over the last three years. Atlanta, Carolina, and Arizona. Now, Carolina and Atlanta make sense because they're circling the drain. Their quarterbacks are either old and past their prime, and they've got a very non-competitive team, or they lost their franchise quarterback, who's also equally washed up, and they're just kind of floundering around looking for a future. It's odd that you that Atlanta's listed last because I believe they have like what the second newest stadium in the NFL, right? And their ticket price declined because they said, "Oh, sh- oh wait, we have a crap team. <laughs> We're gonna have a hard time getting people to show up for this." Arizona, though, should in theory be a massive draw, right? 
I mean, yeah. After that disaster of a season in 2017 that gave them Josh Rosen in the first round of 2018, they decreased their average ticket price by 25 bucks on average. One of the biggest single-season declines anywhere in the NFL, except for that time Atlanta lost the Super Bowl Patriots. <laughs> do, do you want to know what their ticket price went from, Chris? <laughs> oh, I see it. The uh, 17 Atlanta was, was at $210, and then they went to $136, and then uh, <laughs> 2019 they went back up to 170 Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, neither team has really recovered, and yet both of those, all of those teams are more expensive than Buffalo is today. And the Bears. The Bears are currently a top three most expensive team in the NFL and announced that they wouldn't be raising ticket prices in 2021. Consider, I'm almost a little surprised, considering the way the Bears franchise can't stop pulling down the pants of its fan base and then having their buddies help push them over from behind. You know, the old schoolboy maneuver. I'm shocked that they didn't also just gouge their fans for a couple extra nickels while they were at it. I, Chris, when you look at it on its face, the, the Buffalo Bills are still far and away one of the best values. And I think by studying these different trends year over year, seeing who increased where, the Bills have gotten more competitive every single year that Sean McDermott's been at the helm of this team. And yet we're still miles ahead. We're still in the bottom quarter of the NFL in terms of where some of these, I don't want to even call them the best teams because you, you hear who's at the top of that. I mean, look at this average cost of attendance at the end of last year. Uh, the Saints, who at this point kind of don't have a future. The Broncos, the Cowboys, which I mean, the Cowboys, that's comical. The Eagles being up there. At two hundred and fifty-six dollars on average, compared to the Bills, what one hundred and one? Yeah, this is all just hilarious to me. So, so far be it from Bills fans to complain that it's going to cost us a little bit more to see the football we're seeing. I mean, it's crazy to think that we live in a world where one of the best teams, or at least one of the most explosive offenses, and one of the league's best young quarterbacks, might be the cheapest destination in the NFL. At the same time, that seems ridiculously counterintuitive, no? No, you're right. And somewhere, and this is, I guess, because I'm petty, somewhere out there is some schlep who's going to be taken on a second mortgage to go watch Andy Dalton throw the football. (laughs) Ah, What a time to be alive, Chris. And then the last little bit of news that broke in the last few days that I think is really, I mean, isn't that the big news? I mean, we heard about it. We opened the show with the clip from Kim Pagula. The stadium naming rights deal, that's probably the one that's got every Bills fan. Got every Bills fan on social media right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, Chris, I'm not going to lie. This is, this COVID podcasting is, it's harder than I thought it was going to be. Whew. Mm. For anyone listening to this, yeah, it's 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 real difficult to maintain your breath when you're trying to do this. It's I don't know how some of these athletes bounce back from this and just started running around doing drills again. Well, they're, they're athletes. They have a body built for athletics. You have a body built for drinking and eating meat. <laughs> eating meats. 
So what are you saying? My body, uh, body. I have the body for barbecue. Is what you're saying? Backyard barbecue. That's that's the physique I'm rocking now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have the physique of an armchair athlete. Hey, hey, it's Chris here, your beautiful producer. Time to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Pods. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we will help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get in on all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me and Drew talk about the bills then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last join. The hot news amongst our fan base is yesterday's announcement that the Bills Stadium has finally found new naming rights partner. Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield Stadium. Now, given that I've had a lot of time on my hands and uh, <laughs> not, not a whole lot to do with it the last 24 hours, I've had time to peruse the social media responses. And I'm a little surprised that even for a fan base as devoted as ours, with so much history in that building as ours, for people who once hand-wrung over the idea that the Bills would pack up and leave town at the <laughs> at the behest of some, well, what, what uh, Donald Trump or some, feathered, some feathered-haired jerk-off, that Muppet and his Canadian friends, Bon Jovi, people were terrified. Oh, my God, who's gonna, what's going to happen to our football team? That now that the stadium's getting a different name, so many fans either don't understand the move or they've got a ridiculous amount of acrimony about it, and I don't understand it. It's like, if you guys were that concerned over what the future of this franchise was, you should be celebrating this. I mean, I've pretty much broken down the angry people into three groups, and I urge you, if you find yourself, if you're listening to this and you find yourself a part of one of them, and you feel the need to defend yourself, tweet us, at Rock Report. Air your grievance. I've got nothing but time. 
<sighs> the first group I've seen that has a problem with the name. Chris, before we start, what's your take? What do you think? Highmark get- Blue Cross Blue Shield Field. I or hate it, it. Just Highmark Field. No, it's Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield <laughs> Stadium. But, Stadium? Jesus. Yeah, but they're not going to be able to fit that on the back of the scoreboard facing Abbott. So I think it's just going to say Highmark Stadium. I think it's a stupid name. I would Why? rather... Because it's too Why? long. It, it's too long of a name. Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield Stadium. Okay, so guaranteed rate field isn't too long? I would have rather had the bidet company get it or uh, Barstool. I would have rather had them get it. Of course you would. Or, so, I, would have, I, or I would have just like renamed it to throw shade at the Jets and called it like New Jersey Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, then it sounds like you're one of these people I need to talk to. So why don't you strap yourself in? Why don't you sit back in the words of White Goodman? Let me hit you with some knowledge. Okay. First of all. There are three groups of fans who seem to not like this. First of all, the fans who don't understand the economics. It's okay. Not everybody gets it. And that's not me trying to come across as intellectually elitist. I mean, we all know by this point, you stuck around the podcast long enough. That's not a stance I'd ever try to take with a straight face. But I've seen a lot of the, why why that company? Or why not name it something historical around Buffalo? I've also seen a lot of shade thrown because they're a healthcare company. I mean, a lot of the acrimony seems to stem from the fact that people feel they're paying too much for their healthcare premiums, and that if these companies have so much money, they 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 clearly are getting too much money if they can throw it away on naming an NFL stadium. I mean, I feel like that was a huge part of this. And while I understand some of that vitriol, the U.S. healthcare system is incredibly complicated. It's expensive, and it's not something that. And a sick idiot like me is going to try to tackle in a football podcast. I get why some people think that's problematic. <sighs> we just need to accept that these companies are massive conglomerates that have massive balance sheets and also have massive expenditures of cash to a degree that it can be hard to really know where they stand, where their money goes, what they do with it. I, I, I don't understand. I, I, I can't. I, there's not enough time in the day. Here's the reality of it. The city of Buffalo (laughs) makes the Forbes list of most vulnerable sports cities every single year without fail because our income levels and corporate presence indicate that we should be able to afford approximately 0.5 professional sports franchises. No, it's not. I didn't stutter half a franchise, but we support two. Although, uh, based on the way the Sabres are playing right now, calling them a professional team seems like an insult. (laughs) It seems like an insult to the rest of the league. (laughs) But the NFL, Chris, do you remember when the the Bills got bought by the Pagulas? Okay. They, They were essentially given a mandate by the league that they had to get a new stadium, right? Yeah. I remember that was that was widely. Hey, that's what fueled a lot of this conversation about oh, a downtown stadium, a stadium with a dome. What's going to happen? Because it was no secret that the Bills were the Bagulas were essentially told you need to find a way to make this team more profitable. And right now, the the the, the going thing is a new stadium. Well, and then that that kind of shifted. Kind of mostly at the sign of not only movement fatigue from fans. I mean, you had 
the the Rams moving, you had Oakland moving, and there was just a lot of acrimony tied up in those two moves. I mean, so not only was there fatigue from fans, but also a boatload of lawsuits, like the ones that St. Louis is still quietly just kicking the NFL's ass in, if anybody bothers to go Google it and find out how that's going, over the relocation of these football teams. And I think that since then, the NFL has kind of softened its stance to just, okay, Terry, we don't need you to move the team. It's not build a new stadium or move the team. It's find a way to be profitable or at least more profitable than you have been. And to their credit, the Pagulas have gotten pretty crafty in that regard. There's a reason that they paid for the for lobbyists to go down and convince Governor Cuomo to legalize sports betting in New York State. I'm sure that they plan to try to play a role in that in the future, especially as we talk about them retrofitting and updating the stadium. They've done some interesting repackaging and branding of things to maximize corporate sponsorships in places they didn't used to exist. Things in stadium, out of the stadium, commercial-wise. They've done a lot of branding with the local business community that I think has paid some monetary dividends for them. And I'm sure that as we rebound from COVID and the league gets back to making world-leading revenue, they're going to have more tricks up their sleeve. But this one is a no-brainer. You sell the rights to, to name your stadium because it doesn't cost you, as a franchise, anything. You literally don't have to do anything besides paint a name and a logo on the back of your scoreboard and do a find-replace in your program documentation. Now, okay, so maybe that's oversimplifying it. But here's the rub. In, in just this past July, Forbes magazine cited the Bill's loss of New Era as a naming partner as just one of a wave of corporate buyouts across not just the NFL, but also Major League Baseball and the NBA that they took is kind of a sign that stadium naming rights were a declining investment for companies, especially with the state of the economy, and that it was leveling off in popularity. And that's not surprising. Companies all over the country are restructuring and downsizing, and in some cases, just going bankrupt. I mean, <laughs> these, these naming rights deals can vary in cost. Uh, SoFi... That I guess they were a student loan refinancing company, but now they have credit cards and I don't know. They're, they have the naming rights to LA's new stadium that are coming at $30 million a year on a 20-year deal. Chris, would you bet $30 million a year that either one of those LA franchises, especially one like the Rams, will stay in LA for 20 years? Uh, probably not. I mean, that, LA that seems had like a, a bad bet. Yeah, LA has had teams move before. So, also, you take a look at some of these other. I mean, AT and T Stadium. Okay, big cor- big corporate sponsor for the for Dallas down there. They're making probably about twelve million a year. Gillette Stadium gets about eight million dollars a year. Now, the New England Patriots. We just talked about it. They're one of the most expensive draws for fans to attend. They also are in a major TV market, one of the biggest, right? So there's there's some added gravitas to that. They can only generate $8 million a year with their naming rights. The deal with New Era that ended before 2020 when their local facilities closed and everyone got laid off was a seven-year deal worth $35 million. That's only $5 million a year. My guess is that's probably what we're looking at this new one. It's a 10-year deal. We're probably looking at something in the same ballpark. So that's $50 million in quote-unquote team revenue. That's free money. It's not shared with the rest of the NFL. And that doesn't sound like much. I mean, $50 million, $50 million what does that go for when it comes to getting you a quarterback these days, Chris? $50 million, uh 
pretty soon that'll be uh, one season for a really good quarterback. The, 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 what if I told you one season? Okay, so what if that's the deal? What if that name? What if I put it to you like this? The economics behind this are those naming rights paid for Josh Allen. Yeah, I'll take that. Paid for those naming rights, okay? Those naming rights helped pay for Josh Allen. And then maybe let's walk that back because that's a whopper of a contract. Maybe it's, hey, you're guaranteed, part of your guaranteed money, we generated the $50 million from this deal. What if I said this? You look at the guys who are making five, six million dollars a year around the league. That's a what? I mean, you look at some like cap hits are tough. That's a it's an AJ Klein who I would have told you probably sucked right up until he saved our asses in that Seattle game. <laughs> right up until he figured out how to play football. And when Matt Milano missed chunks of the season, he kind of came around for us. That's a player that you might need on your team at some point. You can't. I, all things being equal, you can't discount the fact that it's free money for doing literally nothing. And what I think it does is it philosophically it sends a message to the league saying, look, we're trying to maximize our profitability here. We're doing everything we can. You can't hold this against us. I mean, that may not matter to the average fan. But the fact is that despite that, the team was able to find a corporate entity, whether they're from Buffalo or not, to put a few million dollars a year in their pocket for something that doesn't materially change the game day experience or our ability to enjoy it. That's just good business. And it ensures that the Pagulas can keep going to the league and say, look, we're trying. We're, we're spinning plates here. We're making something happen. I call that a win. Can you argue with me on any of that? Uh, I believe that Blue Cross Blue Shield and Highmark, is, they're only in it to put their name in the lights. They don't really do anything for the community. And well, it, no well, kidding. No, well, my my thing for this is just because of for health healthcare. The stadium is now Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield Stadium, so that obviously means that independent health is going to be out. Why would you be sponsored by two healthcare companies? I bet they get dropped as true. a sponsor. That's true. That's true, and who knows? Maybe the cost of the maybe the cost of the naming rights takes that into account. I don't know. That that's a really good point, Chris. Look at you. Look at you. God, I'm proud of you, sir. Hey, I do what I can. Well, and this leads me to point number two, because you hit on something. You wanted to people who were a company that was going to do something for the community. There's a second group of angry fans out there of people who wanted this to come, these naming rights to be sold to a local company. And this one I can understand a little bit more, to your point. People who wanted the stadium to be named after something relevant to their lives here in Buffalo or that might help their lives or the community here in Buffalo. Now, I've made this analogy on the show before, but to many people, the mindset of living here in Buffalo is kind of like being from the Iron Islands in Game of Thrones. Our home isn't the prettiest, the most affluent, or the most environmentally hospitable place on earth. And if you can't handle that, it's not because there's something wrong with it. It's because there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I, I get that, and I love that about this community. I love it about our, our sports teams fan bases. Those people 
who were disappointed to see that a local company couldn't have landed the naming rights. They do so because they're thinking in their heads, well, it would have been nice to see that because it's just another symbol of what this city is and how we all the companies work together and blah, 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 blah. City of good neighbors, all that stuff. Synergy. If you want to throw in a corporate buzzword. I have to ask you the question, though. Who? Who was taking it here locally? Moog. You go ahead. Moog. Moog. Moog Stadium? I'm sorry. That doesn't exactly... uh, No, it'd be like... It'd be like Moog uh, Space and Planetarium Field. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so here's what I did. I went to Zipia.com, which is a job... It's a job-finding website that allows you to search by either job field or my company size and it uses fortune 500 it uses fortunes kind of database and other comparable economic reporting outlets to help categorize what constitutes the size of a company and they have a short list of buffalo's largest companies and i'm going to run them down for you uh, the first one is delaware north they're already the stadium's biggest supplier of food and beverage services so on its face that would make sense but the owner owns a sports team the bruins so I- so my guess is is that the guy who owns another sports franchise would probably want to invest his money into his own franchise before handing the profits he makes off another one right back to them. I mean, that's that, that just wouldn't seem smart, would it? No. M&T Bank, number two. They're the second largest employer in the city, and they already hold the naming rights to the Baltimore Ravens Stadium in Baltimore. And I, I, I already have heard it. People who say, oh, well, you know, Mercedes has a pair of stadiums that both have their company's names. Chris, no one in Dubai is bragging about their new M&T checking account. No, no, nobody goes to the country club and goes, hey, hey, do you hear? Check this out. I got a shiny new M&T Bank CD. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the 2021 model. <laughs> like, that's no, they don't have the same gravitas. <laughs> That Mercedes does. So there's no way in hell they're supporting two stadiums for naming rights. <laughs> Number three, Rich's Products. Been there, done that, got the t-shirts. Kaleida Health. They're number four. Another healthcare provider that everyone would just be mad at all over again. <laughs> Albeit a much smaller one than Highmark. <sighs> Doesn't seem like we have a lot of options here locally, do we, Chris? Nope, just those four and Moog. And Moog. I love how you're pounding the table for Moog. I'm gonna have to. Hey, I work in I work in manufacturing, so if you can name it after a manufacturing company in Buffalo. Well, of course, we all have our selfish wants. I mean, don't get me wrong. A Bar Bill Weckin Wings themed stadium would be awesome. I, I might actually start buying food at the games. A Paula's Donuts Field. That wouldn't be awful, considering they'd have to start serving them up fresh before kickoff. The reality is that our city, well, maybe one of my favorite places on Earth, doesn't have a corporate presence necessary for a hometown sponsor. At least not one that could swing five or more million dollars a year as part of their advertising budget. It's just not realistic. We love this place. I live here. I'm going to continue living here for the rest of my life. But we have to accept some of the realities of what's going on around us, folks. And then there's this third group, the people who understand both of those points, 
they're just mad at the name, <laughs> the name itself. And this might be the, the group of folks I think I understand the best. Highmark Stadium. I mean, I've already seen the jokes about low marks, about the uh, the Tommy Wiseau uh, from The Room, the oh, hi, Mark, that meme. Like, I've seen all of this. I get it. It's not something that screams super awesome football stadium for cool people. <laughs> it's, but come on, guys, this isn't the worst you could do. I mean, cover one, uh, Greg Thompson tweeted out earlier today that there were, he saw some corollaries that people should give people some pause when trying to say hi, Mark is the worst name. Uh, KFC Yum Center. That's a real thing. Tony Macaroni Arena. I wish I was making that one up. TIAA Bank Field. I mean, places real human beings have to go play a sport to earn their paychecks in. And probably more hilariously, some fan has to, has to call up a buddy with a straight face and ask them to meet them there. I mean, I'm just picturing the conversation. Chris, I pick up my phone and I call your house. And you answer. Yeah, because I got I, a house phone. <laughs> and I go, hey, dude. Hey, man. You going to be at the Yum this weekend? How no. does that go? How does that go over? No. How do you do? How do you say the KFC Yum Center and not want to die a little bit inside? Don't the uh, Pelicans play in the Smoothie King Center? Oh, they, they sure do. I'll tell you what. The Smoothie King Center. I would rather tell my wife. You know, it's okay. There's a basketball game on a Saturday afternoon, and my wife, I, I, me and the guys got tickets, and she looks at me and goes, where are you going? As I'm walking out the door, I would rather tell her I'm going to the strip club than going to the Smoothie King Center. That's, <laughs> that's how ridiculous saying that out loud sounds. It would be more palatable to say the strip club than the Smoothie King Center. Well, you know what they should have done is they just should have just named it... Uh, not high mark, but they should have just gone blue field, and then the logo should have been blue from old school. <laughs> uh, dude, I, look at this. The Detroit Red Wings, okay? They, you're a hockey guy. You know. They yeah. spent years playing the iconic Joe Louis Arena, one of the last buildings in the NHL named after a person, not a corporate sponsor. And when that was demolished and their new home got built, it not only bears the name Little Caesars Arena, but the roof itself. I mean, I laughed at you saying blue should be the logo. <laughs> the roof is just a giant Little Caesars logo with the pizza pizza guy. Now, Mark Smith, I know you're listening to this. Mark Smith is probably the I mean, th- th- we're talking about a human being who will drive past five local pizzerias to buy Little Caesars, who also has the Miller High Life girl tattooed on his arm and who paid hundreds of dollars extra to get the wedding venue, the same wedding venue I had my wedding at. He paid them hundreds of dollars extra to stock Miller High Life because that's what he wants. Not because he, not because it's cheap and what's readily available. It's because he goes out of his way. I mean, that, that speaks to the taste of the human being that we're talking about. He's the only person out there who would embrace some nonsense like that here in Buffalo. Is that what you people want? Cut-rate chain pizza being brought up ten times every single broadcast. Despite the stadium being located in a place known for great pizza. I, 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 to your point, I would rather have the Tushy Bidet Company that we were joking about earlier sponsoring us than any of that. 
which hilariously enough, you'd need that desperately. Probably about 25 minutes after eating the prefab garbage that comes out of Little Caesars. Yeah, that crazy bread is no joke. Chris, can we just say this? Because I love the fact that like people do like I tweet at them all the time. I, I, I'm surprised. I don't know if they'll block us. Maybe they'll go full Bill, Bill Barnwell here and block us someday. No one sober should be eating Little Caesars pizza. Just a rule of thumb. By comparison to that, all of that, Highmark isn't that bad, is it? I, I don't like it. Okay, but would you rather call it Little Caesars Field? I mean, maybe. Depends I how, you. Depends how they give, give away free crazy bread when you enter. What if they don't? What if, what if, in fact, what if they replace Lenovo and they replace all the great local chains that are in there with nothing but cut-rate pizza? Not only would the lines to the toilets be backed out. Uh, Chris, you would never be able to get into the bathroom. No. It, it, it would be an abomination. Highmark isn't that bad. And for those of you who I can't convince to at least meet me in the middle on this, there's always, there's always this caveat. It's a free country. You can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, take it from me. I'm a man who has for decades championed this concept. We've all been blessed with free will. There is no such thing as, quote unquote, have to do. There's just actions and consequences. I was taught that as a kid. I was, people say, oh, well, you, you do this. Well, why? Because you have to. No, I don't have to do anything. I can literally do whatever I want as long as I'm okay with the consequences. If you don't feel like paying your taxes, don't. You don't want to file them? You don't want to pay them? Don't do it. There's consequences to that. I mean, just ask Wesley Snipes. But the government can't forcibly make you put paper to pen and turn over your tax information. They can't make you. If you don't want to return your shopping cart to the cart corral, don't. But know that somewhere out there, there's an ill-tempered guy, maybe with bad teeth and a crooked hairline, with zip ties in his vehicle and a real lack of empathy for you and what you have going on in your schedule that day, and someday you're going to run into him. <laughs> and he does. He's going to jack up your entire afternoon. So by comparison to those, Chris, not calling it Highmark, what are the real consequences of that? They're far more negligible. What's going to happen if you don't call it Highmark? Are, are you going to get finger-wagged by somebody? Is somebody going to correct you and you have to just oh, what, pretend you don't hear them or tell them that you don't care? What's going to happen if you decide not to adopt the new name? I think we're going to just stick to what we've been doing, even when it was called New Era. You called the Ralph or Rich Stadium. Chris, which way are you leaning on this? I prefer to call it Rich Stadium. If, I mean, I <laughs> no. think I think for you, you prefer calling it the Ralph because you've had season tickets for so long. The Ralph is more connects more with you. I mean, like you, you punch taillights at the leaving the Ralph and the. It wasn't me. That was Neil. He punched the <laughs> taillight out of my car, and it was one of the. It was one of the most frustrating moments of my life. Not only did the Bills lose on Monday Night Football, but then I hear this boom, and I look, and my friend's hand is bleeding all over the place. We got to wrap a garbage bag around it so he doesn't bleed in the inside of my car. And he looks at me and goes. I think I broke your light. It's like, you son of a... 
kick him in when he's down. Yeah, I'm. I'm going uh, with rich, so, rich stadium. That's how I prefer to call it. Okay, and and is there any real explanation? Is there a story behind that? Is there any it's, special connection you have with rich stadium? It's when the bills were good, and that's when I was. I would say most into the bills because I still lived here. You know, and then in '94, you know, moved to Atlanta, and Bills games aren't always on TV, so you have to follow them a lot more with ESPN and the highlights. And then, you know, it wasn't until you know I was in my 20s where I was able to finally go to a Bills bar and watch the games every single Sunday on Sunday ticket at a Bills backers bar. But I just have more of a connection with calling it Rich Stadium. I think for you, it's the Ralph. Am I right? Well, it's the Ralph, but I'll tell you why. Okay, so this is it for me. And I'm not begrudging anybody who wants to call it Highmark Stadium. You can call it whatever the hell you want. Like I said, no one's going to come crucify you for it. But to me, it will always be the Ralph. And it's not just because I'm trying to be stubborn. I I just, you are kind of correct in in the sense that, you know, when, when I started having season tickets, it was Ralph Wilson Stadium. It was no longer called Rich Stadium. And but to me, it's bigger than that because it goes back to, I just remember the day. I remember the day where I was. I was at work at this crappy mortgage servicing company, and I, it was, my shift was winding down. I was getting was ready this to the, Was this the company that... Uh the secretary did not know that uh, Drew and Andrew are the same name. That is the exact one, Chris. You remember. <laughs> I only worked there for about six months because that place sucked. So I'm there, and I just get a text message from my buddy Travis, uh, br- the the brother of uh, Bill's flag holder, Greg Trelone, who <laughs> He's been on the, the show a few times. Friends because, yeah, but the only reason we're friends is because of the Buffalo Bills because I drunkenly just kind of foisted my way into their conversation and ranted at them after nine double vodka tonics about how Jerry's bird can kick rocks and how his contract would tank the saints. And that proved out. And that conversation sparked a friendship between the three of us that is still to this day goes on. But so I get a text message from, from Travis and it just says, dude, Ralph died. And I knew exactly what he meant. And I was kind of just dumbstruck. I didn't know what to think. I mean, we all knew that Ralph Wilson wasn't doing well. And but, but I was just struck by it. And I was like, okay, well, I, what, are you, what are you doing? And he goes, where are you? And I said, I'm leaving work. He goes, I'll meet you at your apartment. So I came home and bef- he was waiting for me. And he had two six packs of Labatt tall boys. And some Cohiba cigars. I don't even know where he got them. And I, I was just like, dude, what, what do you want to do? He goes, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. He goes, I do. He was distraught. And I kind of felt the same way. I was just like, this is weird. It's actually over. There's just a lot of uncertainty. You're like, I don't know. It's a, there's a million things going through your head. What's going to happen to my team? Who's going to buy it? Does the family want it? Are they going to stay here? How many more seasons do I have with this? And all you could do is take a deep breath and get in the car with Travis and drive to the stadium. Because we didn't know where else to go. 
<laughs> we didn't know what else to do. So we took the beers and the cigars and some folding chairs and we went to the stadium. We literally sat in the parking lot, the empty parking lot. And you could see where they were just starting construction on the new Bill's store where it currently sits. And we sat out there just sitting out there in the cold, just drinking, telling stories, talking about tailgates and the stadium was all lit up and it started to snow just real lightly snowing. And it was, it was one of the most cathartic experiences of my entire life. Just sitting out there talking about our experiences, tailgating and being at the stadium and, talking about what might come for the football team. And then a security truck came driving over. And the guy goes, hey, what are you, obviously, hey, what are you guys doing? And we told him. I was just like, look, man, we didn't know where else to go. So we're here, and I offered him a beer, which obviously he declined because he's a professional. But he didn't leave, and he didn't throw us out. He stayed for about 20 minutes and just shot the shit with us, told a story. I mean, he was an older guy, and he told us about how he'd been working for the team for 30 years and how he – He'd met Ralph Wilson, and he just, between the three of us, we just stood there in the snow, smoking cigars and drinking beer and just toasting to Ralph Wilson. And then we left, and we went to to O'Neill's because it was finally just too cold, and you couldn't sit out there for much longer. And there was all these old guys all decked out in their Bills gear doing the same thing we were doing, just trying to pour a little beer on it and put a little salve in the wound because everyone was hurting just a little bit. And that night, really, I look back at that, and it's like, because we were all celebrating the guy, right? I mean, you look at it, that building, it holds some sentimental value to me and a huge portion of this city, whether it's because of the memories they made there, their developmental years, their childhood, or like me, just an appreciation for the guy who brought it all together and made it possible, formed a football team that Decades later, it has Chris and I here doing a podcast. And all of you, like we talked about getting to meet you at our tailgates. That was all because of him. There was one guy, Ralph Wilson. So I know it's sad. I get choked up talking about this stuff, but you can call that building whatever you want. You can paint whatever name you want on the outside of it. That's all it is, is concrete and paint. It's the spirit of what went on inside of it that's important. And there's only one reason that we have any of that, and that's Ralph Wilson. And so for that reason alone, I don't know that I can call it anything else but the Ralph because that just feels right to me. And I don't begrudge anybody who wants to call it anything else. It doesn't matter. I just know that I can't wait to get back to enjoying this season with all of you Regardless of whatever the hell you people want to call it. <sighs> Chris, can we agree to disagree? Yeah, obviously. I mean, hey, look. Highmark Stadium, it's, it's a bad name. Some people <laughs> might say it's the worst name of a stadium in uh, the history of the team. You know, <laughs> kind of like re-signing John Feliciano. It's like <laughs> those are probably the same people saying that too. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But we shouldn't let that cloud our view of what's important here. The fact is, is that we're incredibly lucky, right? Like I've, I've got that. I appreciate y'all listening to me blubber over here like a baby. I'm sick. I'm just trying to. I'm, I'm just getting through this all, and this is just something I feel real, real strongly about. 
I just we have all this because of one man, and I'll be damned if I don't celebrate that. So whatever name gets painted on the outside, but whoever they sell the rights to, doesn't matter to me. The fact is, is Ralph Wilson is the reason that I have this to celebrate with you all and with my friends and my family, hopefully one day my kid. And hopefully he'll call it the Ralph too. <sighs> with that in mind, Chris, we've held these people long enough. We got to get the hell out of here. I by virtue of having eight more days of quarantine here, I have a lot of time on my hands, which seems perfect. If there's any silver lining to this, it's that I'm going to have a lot of time to look at draft stuff. The next month of our podcast is pretty much going to be devoted to the NFL draft, right? Yep. This is where we get uh, guests on to talk about certain positions in the draft and go over realistic options for the Bills throughout the draft. so Not yeah. even just that, but we, it's always interesting to take a look at the classes, you know, the, 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 the linebacker groups, the running back groups, and get a feel for their makeup, top-heavy, whether they're whether there's more depth than top-end talent, whether the, you know, just what their makeup is, and then talk to these expert analysts about how, the, how that fits the Bills' needs. I mean, Lord knows I can't do that. No, I, I, I can't do that. Have that conversation. I do like that you listed at first position there. You listed linebackers. We're drafting a linebacker. You're drinking a Siegs. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Be safe, okay? Don't end up like me. And if you do, don't worry, okay? There's. I know this affects everybody differently, but I think you'll be all right. Just hang tough. Don't end up. But if you can avoid it. Don't end up like me stuck in the back room of your house like a prisoner in a jail cell. Um, take care of yourselves. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been the Quarantine Rock Pile Report. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.